Today is September the 10th. Why do Jesus, John, and Paul include lists of sins that exclude people from God's kingdom? Let's find out together as we study and summarize these passages of Scripture. So all this week we've been looking at five different passages of Scripture and a few other Scriptures beside. But the thing that these five passages of Scripture have in common is that they all say this certain type of person, this type of sinner, will not be a part of God's kingdom. And the problem is that the sins that he lists include me, very likely include you. So is he saying that we don't have a chance? Well, no, I don't think so. Yesterday, we finished Romans chapter 7 and 8, and it seems to me that Paul, kind of guessing that we might wonder if we are still struggling with sin, if we are indeed saved. He says the issue is that now we belong to Christ and Christ's righteousness serves for us. Then at the end of the chapter, in verse 31, Paul gives this reassuring thought. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he didn't spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. The scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord seems to me that Paul is trying to reassure his readers. Even as you struggle with sin, even as you look to be transformed by the presence of God's Spirit, God will accept you. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Now in the book of Ephesians, Paul comes back to talk about this. Verses 
7 to 10. Don't participate in the things that these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Now here we begin to get at the rationale for including these lists of sins. The first thing that we see is that sin is important. Sin matters. And getting rid of the sin in our life is important. So the first thing that we have to do to be transformed from that sin is to name it. So Paul, Jesus, and John give us a list of sins. It's an open invitation to find yourself on that list, to name it and say, okay, I need to work on this, and I need to work on that, and I need to work on that. First, name it. Second, open yourself to God's transforming power. He has made you his own. You belong to him. Recognize that you belong to him and what that means. Third, as we saw last week, as we talked about transformation, the key to transformation is putting off certain things. We have this list of sins that we need to put off. We need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And then we need to begin to do other things. We put on or clothe ourselves with Christ's actions. The renewal of our mind is the hinge point between changing our idea about sin. One of the reasons sin is so addictive is because we don't stop the way we think about sin. We need to study it. We need to see if our sin is the sin of envy. We need to examine what the Bible says about envy. Find out what it really is and what it can really do to us and then replace it with generosity, with the opposite of envy. If our problem is lust, we need to find out what the essence of lust is and then replace it with wholesome relationships. If our problem is our tongue, the way we talk, the, the cynical, the obscene, or just the negativity that comes out of our mouth or comes onto our cell phones. We need to understand what the Bible says about coarse talk, about obscene language, and replace it 
with language that edifies and builds up. And then fourthly, we need to recognize that all of this is understood, certainly in Paul's mind, and I believe also in John's, and we see hints of it in Jesus. This will be fulfilled in the new age. When we come to the end of our time, our physical body, which is susceptible to sin, will be transformed and our new body rejects sin. So no, no liar can inherit God's kingdom, but our transformed body in the final day by virtue of Christ's death for us and our allegiance to him will be accepted into God's kingdom. For now, we need to work on the lies that we tell, on the envy that we have, on the obscene talk that comes out of our mouth. These things are important. We need to name them we need to turn them over to God. We need to identify them, recognize whose we are, and that one day he will resolve that when he gives us a new body. So my question to you today, what do you need to renew? What is it that you're working on? What do you need to put off. Study that in Scripture to find out what God really feels about that. And then put on the new element that will replace it. God bless you. We'll see you in church on Sunday. Like, follow, and subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to this devotional. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. See you on Sunday.